This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Greg and I today for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we try to unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that is profitable. I am Alan from Pixel Partners HQ, and here is my co-host, Greg, from Studio One Design. Hey, Al. How are you, man? What have you been up to, buddy? Oh, dude, I got a new toy. <laughs> I got a new iMac, which... I heard about this, man. It's all over the internet. Oh, got a new iMac. <laughs> <laughs> It is ridiculously fast. I opted to go all SSD, not not the Fusion Drive. Oh, man, I can imagine. Because the Fusion Drive, as you know, the Fusion Drive I just got a few weeks ago, and I just love it. It's so fast, but obviously, yeah, solid state. How much faster is it? Well, I mean, look, compared to what I had, because I didn't have a Fusion Drive in my last machine, uh, it yep. is just ridiculous, right? Wow. Uh, I don't know how it compares to the Fusion Drive because I don't have one to yeah, compare yeah. to, but I, I dare say that they're both pretty quick. <laughs> cool. There's only one thing I'm, I'm unhappy about is just as I went to order this, Apple announced the iMac Pro. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's always something else. If you just keep waiting, you know, you'll be waiting forever. Well, it doesn't come out till December and, I, you know, my machine was dying. So. That's a long time. Uh, yeah, what about you, man? What have you been doing? Dude, I have just discovered this tool called Grammarly. <laughs> How'd you discover that? <laughs> about 10 minutes ago, you, you mentioned to me, so... <laughs> uh-huh. And it is amazing, isn't it? Give an overview to the listener how powerful it is. It is basically, you know, your normal spell check that you might get in Google Chrome or Microsoft Office or any of those apps on steroids. It is free and it is phenomenal. I mean, at this stage, I believe it's just a plugin for Chrome. Uh, but that, I mean, if you're cloud-based like Greg and I are, that means it works in just about every app that you have. Mm. But it, it makes, you know, it does the usual spell checks. But it also makes grammar corrections and suggestions. So when you're using things like descriptive words, mm. it offers you up other ways to describe those those things, which I think is really mind-blowing. And from a user point of view, the underline and the the pop-up, you, first, you don't have to click on the underlined word that has, a, has an error in it. You just mm-hmm. hover over it, which I think is great. It's one less click. Yeah. And also, it's just it seems to be really easy to read. Like, they use a really nice font, really nice colors, and, I, yeah, I mean, I've been running it for, for the – Oh, I've only just started using it, but I, I've been using it a lot and I'm really loving it. So go check it out, listener. You know, there's another tool, one of my copywriters, not that I have in-house copywriters, but just a, a freelancer, uses this tool very similar for writing blog posts called HemingwayApp.com. Ooh. Yeah, it gives a lot of suggestions as well. I'll, I'll send you a link. But yeah, equally as powerful. It's just, you know, it's like a standalone website, but yeah, it's pretty cool. So check that out too or make your blog post writing go up another level. Awesome. So get into that. These tools are coming. I mean, we were just talking about this, weren't we, Greg, when we were talking about our new computers, that technology is just moving so fast. You know, gone are the days where, uh, you know, you buy a, a piece of equipment or start with a piece of software and, you know, you'll have it for maybe two to five years, it's almost like you need to be updating on an annual or biannual basis. Yeah, and there's so much AI in, in technology that, uh, yeah, it changes quite rapidly. So, yeah, 
Just listen to our podcast for updates. We'll keep you updated. Talking about things moving fast, we're talking about stock. Now, we're not talking about physical retail stock. We're talking about stock images, stock icons, stock graphics today. And, and Greg, this is something that you and I, we both leverage. But what we're going to talk about is what is the right way to use it and what's the difference between having something custom designed using straight stock or customizing stock yeah exactly exactly and you're right we do we do use stock uh, because it's an amazing time saver but yeah it can be used really poorly and the way we use it is for pure goodness not evil <laughs> now, I, I, just to get down to some of the points that you're going to mention, I mean, you know, you introduced us a while ago to the feature that Google Images has where you just drag an image off your desktop into the search bar and it will find every image across the web that's, uh, sorry, every website across the web that's used that exact same image. So, you know, that to me just proved that using stock images as is is not a good way to use them because every other man in the dog is using them as well yeah but even things like icons and logos I look let, let, let me give a little backstory as to how this came about right so i'm doing some research into a, a new sort of niche product offering that we're working on with pixel partners mm -hmm. at the same time i'm looking to hire a, a couple of specialists in in a couple of industries and i'm seeing portfolios and i'm sort of looking at other people's work and you know it was kind of mind-blowing to see you know, these are paid jobs that they're using as examples and you know things like you know, logo design and icon design people are paying for a set of icons and really all they're getting is a set of stock that mm -hmm. could have come from a free stock library that they possibly could have found themselves and what's worse than that is they might have paid this designer to create custom icons uh, or thinking they're getting custom icons and you know find out that one of their competitors or, or, or somebody else in a related industry is using the exact same thing, you know. And this goes with logos, you know, fonts used in logos. There's like 25 squillion logos, uh, sorry, logos, fonts to pick from today. So, you know, some of these, you know, logo design competitions and, and, and places like that where you might source a cheap logo, you know, it's, it's highly unlikely that, the designer is going to go to the time and the care to customize a font just for your logo. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What else did you discover in that search and, and what should people be doing instead? Well, I mean, look, I think everything has its place, right? So just like you, we have some clients that don't want to invest the extra to go fully customized mm, right yeah but the way the, the way you and i prefer to use stock is as a starting point i mean do you grab stock vector graphics for use on websites and icons yeah. and buttons and stuff like that exactly and characters and things like that but yeah like you uh well maybe you guys do this but yeah we we always make it a point in our business to never use them as is just for the you know the fact that so many other people could be using them as is and we don't want to be like everybody else people come to us for for custom and that's what we that's what we offer that's what we provide so even if we do start with stock we'll always end up custom yeah absolutely you know i mean one of my favorite things to do is to look for stock graphics that are maybe part of something else and then hack it apart and take just the elements that i want and combine those yeah nice. so maybe yeah. i'm not 
maybe I'm not fully modifying it, but what I'm doing is I'm taking it out of where it came from, you know, rearranging it, changing it around and, and putting it back together so that it is not exactly as it came off the, the stock library. Most definitely, yeah. I was going to say, and you could even, you know, even down to, yeah, like you said, you're taking a, a small element out of a bigger design, for instance, and that's totally fine. But then just doing a few little tweaks, it doesn't have to be much. It could just be changing colours or proportions and things like that to give it its own uniqueness. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I hate to say it, but stock images, on the other hand, depending on how we're using them in the design, you know, a lot of our clients actually, uh, this is going to sound dreadful, but they love it. They love the stock image as it is. And they really just want, you know, that particular look, feel or style that's come straight out of the image. But it, that when it gets to that point, it's about really taking a lot of time to select the perfect stock image so you know we've talked about this before you know when you do a stock image search in a stock library don't take something from the first page you know yeah. because that's the first page that everybody is seeing and most people don't have the time or the energy or the inclination to search through the first couple of thousand photos yeah exactly yeah what what stock libraries do you use and what are these new free ones that you mentioned Oh, well, actually, you and I mentioned that before the call. And, and this is this is the thing, right, is that there's a ton of free stock libraries out there that, that allow you to use these images for commercial use. Sometimes you're required to give the photographer a, a credit. But the problem with that is now that, that clients that didn't traditionally have access to these stock libraries now do, and they maybe don't have the understanding or the experience of, you know, how to select the right stock image and what it means to their business if they use it as a hero image. And then they discover that, yeah, you know, somebody right next door is using the same hero image without any modification, without any changes. It just, it doesn't set a really high standard, right, for, mm. for, for your design. It doesn't give you unique design. So just, I'm not saying stock images are bad. I'm just saying think about how you use them, you know. Have your designer bring a couple of stock images together to make something that's unique or, you know, apply some sort of style or effect that's unique to your brand so that, you know, you enhance the design with the use of a stock image and make it unique to yourself so that two two designs side by side from two different companies using the same stock image don't look identical yeah exactly and it, it can be more common in like a niche you know so that's why like i mentioned at the start of the call to use google images drag an image off a website sorry off a stock library into your desktop for instance and then drag it into google images search bar to just see what other you know similar competitors in your niche are using the same image yeah nice hey listen the other thing that that i think that that you do and your team do really really well and our team do it but in a very very different way is take a standard font and make it unique for a logo yeah. what, what's your thought process on on when you use fonts in logos like do you have any sort of parameters that say to your team you're, you're never to use it straight out of the box as it is or you know in certain scenarios you can like what what how do you because i see it over and over with logos you design there's there's and t-shirts you design there's just yeah. this real uniqueness to the to the font yeah, absolutely. So, look, it depends on, on the final use, right? So, I guess my history has been designing T-shirts for, you know, 15 years or 20 years or probably even 30, <laughs> to be honest. But, um, but the point is, you know, traditionally T-shirts have always relied on typography and, and custom fonts. So, you know, especially surf brands and streetwear. So, you know, if you're going to design something that 
is on trend, usually it does you know, re- require a lot of customization. So if it's a t-shirt or if it's a logo, depending on the niche, I will direct our designers to make sure that even if they do start with a, a font, it has to be customized. And by customized, I mean, there might be some little tweaks to individual letters that, you know, you'll just play around with the vector points to make it its own, you know, its own version of that font. Uh, it might be as simple as cutting out sections from different letters etc but yeah generally speaking as long as it's you know its purpose is for multiple uses and not just on web and it needs to have its own identity then we will make sure we customize it to suit that target market Absolutely. And I mean, you know, you can use examples of, of companies like Amazon and FedEx. I mean, the font used in their logos is, is seemingly, you know, a standard simple font. And now I dare say I don't actually know the font that's used for the Amazon logo, but it looks to me like either it was custom custom made or it had, has this really nice little accent on the A. Mm-hmm. But the example is where the arrow comes across, the bottom of the Z has been curved. Yeah. Right? So it's not flat. So that's just that tiny little change exactly to make it unique. You know, FedEx, what they've done is they've pushed the letters together. You know, like the F touches the E, which yep. touches the D, which touches the E, which touches the X, and the gap between the E and the X creates an arrow. They're examples of what are, at a glance, are seemingly standard fonts that people try to emulate these styles. I mean, FedEx to me is one of those classic styles that, that companies ask us to emulate. You know, the two-colour, two-word butted together logo. Yeah. Do you get asked for that kind of design? Look, we we have been previously. I find that's a bit of a, a dated design style, but you know, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's quite effective. There's no doubt about it. And especially, you know, pairing up two different font weights as well of the exact same font, but in two different colors. We do get a lot of those requests, but I, yeah, personally, I'm, I'm trying to avoid that at the moment. Yeah, my my point is though, FedEx went to the trouble of really tweaking it and making it customised and unique. Yeah. And most people want it, most people try and take an out of the box font and just make it make it work. So yeah. Yeah. you know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be a huge tweak. It just has to be a tweak. Now we don't do as many brand logos as, as you do, but we do do product logos right so so um you know like product range logos Mm -hmm. and 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 retail product logos rather than company logos and you know rick and our my team and i i I, blows me away every time they do this they they just have this knack of taking a standard font and then applying a series of uh layers and effects and you know giving it a three-dimensional feel and and you know even to the point where they will curve it ever so slightly or you know all these and they're incremental little tweaks and they're a series of them and the finished product looks nothing like the original font you know it really gives it shape and depth and and makes it stand out on the packaging so you know there's there's various different ways to do this maybe a matter of you know effects in illustrator that that give it extra dimension it could be the way you position the letters it could be like you say taking the leather letter and shaping it differently or Mm -hmm. adding an accent so custom doesn't have to be extreme you know you don't have to have somebody hand draw you a font for your logo from scratch yeah from scratch right you can start with one of the 25 squillion fonts available 
and then work it and rework it until you have something unique. Mm, absolutely. And you were touching on icons as well, like vector. Um, is that how you guys would like yeah, create a, a custom icon as well? Uh, look, there's a couple of different ways we go with icons because we, I mean, we do a lot of icons for packaging, right, to represent mm -hmm. particular features or, or um, to add a visual element to, to designs. And we do it one of two ways. We will either use stock and then modify it if we can find something that really hits the mark for the brand or we will use stock as a starting point for a style and then we will draw the icon we'll, we'll hand create the icon ah. if, if it do, doesn't exist so yep. you know i like taking inspiration from what other people are doing in different industries so we might use something that might be technology based and transpose it across to food and use that styling but draw the icon uniquely the other thing we do for icons often is use an image uh, like act an actual stock image and then we use the shape that we can extract out of the image to to create the icon does that make sense yeah absolutely yeah that's quite unique yeah well done cool and and yeah there i love what you're saying there because yeah icon you know styles if you like can come in many different forms and yeah why not just grab a style that you like and then have someone you know let's say for instance you might have a a shark illustrated in a very iconic way and you love that style but you know you need to have a bear for instance <laughs> and and therefore you could say to somebody illustrate it in the exact same style as that shark but it needs to be a bear you know and then it's a, a unique icon yeah, absolutely. And, and I, th I think, you know, for me, the way we often do icons, it, it starts from stock, mm -hmm. right? It starts from something that already exists that's maybe royalty free. And then we, like I say, we take the inspiration from that, from that and create a set of four or five completely unique, completely hand-drawn icons that are perfect for the client. Yep. And that might be based on the client's requirements. You know, they might have an idea of how they want the icon represented yeah yeah so y y look I, I guess the point i'm trying to make right is that customers expectations are getting higher and higher and higher you know the mainstream media that customers see will go to the effort of doing unique icons mm -hmm. right so a company like samsung doesn't use stock icons they draw their own icons to represent their features yep the images they use on billboards they will either have a professional photographer take them or they will license at huge cost unique images for themselves yeah right i think i just went through this with a with a client that we were doing some designs for and we had used stock in a design mock-up because they hadn't supplied anything and they came back with their licensed images and i actually looked up the licenses for these images and it was astronomical it was like tens of thousands of dollars per image <laughs> but they and they only had a very narrow set that we could use but they knew that those images were only ever going to be seen with their brand and nobody else's brand <laughs> wow yeah exactly and that's what you pay you know you have to pay the price for that but if you know obviously a lot of our uh, listeners are, are not big brands and and are probably small businesses or freelancers so therefore you know there, there are much cheaper ways to go about it. and that's what we're pretty much talking about on this podcast episode is to you know start with stock to reduce the guesswork reduce the time involved and then customize from there using that as a starting point absolutely and, and look the point i was trying to make when i was comparing to these big companies is today is the era of the micro business mm. you know there are more 
more small businesses around than ever. And it is easier than ever for a business to have a visual presence. You know, so 20 years ago, if you were a small business owner, you'd have a business card and a letterhead and a phone number and maybe a fax number. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's no real visual element to that. There's no brand images. You might have a brochure or a flyer. If you're a one man operator, it's probably just going and seeing people and making sales. Right. But today, yeah, even the solopreneur has a website. You know, they have a Facebook presence. They have some kind of visual online presence. The problem is, and again, in my research, I saw this. I was jumping between different providers and I could distinctly tell the difference with these design providers, some of them, you could tell their website was a template website. It still Mm -hmm. had some of the original stock imagery that probably came with the template. (laughs) And if it didn't, shame on that designer for choosing that image because I saw a similar image on one of their competitors' site that is from the same series. Oh, there you go. So, you know, that sort of stuff, neither of them, I mean, they were probably... You know, when I say competitors, they're probably not, you know, actively competing with each other in the market. The same industry. Yeah, they're in the same industry. And it looks terrible when a customer stumbles across that that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. you know, take some love and some care, just like you might with anything else that you do, and try and work out how do I make this unique to me. Use stock by all means, right? But try not to use it straight out of the box. Exactly. And therefore, you know, coming back to one of the episodes that we did on style guides, you know, we're saying that we hate them, but really they can be a really useful tool. And it might be a starting place for a small business to start with a style guide and get the the guide of your elements, your images, your icons, your fonts to a, you know, a level that is unique to your business. Like once again, you might start with stock and customize it. But the point is, from that point on everything that you create will be uh, you know to that level of style if you like so you know that's something that we're really big on at the moment with every website that we're doing lately to be completely the opposite to a template and that is to be custom because that's what people come to us for a custom website so we're putting brand personality into every design that we do and we do that by starting with a style guide or a mood board just to set the the scene of the look and feel that we're going to create from that point on even if we were to start with stock and then customize it well i guess what it does is it allows you to narrow the choice of your stock before you even yeah because you've got a style guide you know where the starting point is, right? I mean, I've got one brief at the moment and I apologise if my client is listening. I'm not going to mention any names. Uh, she will know who she is if she listens to this episode. But the brief was, you know, we want XYZ designed. We want it to be very strong, have strong imagery. And the only requirement for the imagery is that it doesn't look corporate. Yeah. Right? But that doesn't help. Do you know what I mean? Like their their brand has a very strong style guide. So are they saying go opposite to the brand? Is there a particular look and feel? Like the breadth of a comment that says not corporate in the – I mean, I can't tell any more about the brief, but if you saw the brief as well, you'd go, ah, okay, I I see like how vague that that actually is, right? Yeah. So, you know, you're right. Having a style guide allows you to narrow the field of the stock graphics that you might – start with before modifying the stock images that you might start with and hey even don't forget things like 
stock video. Mm, yeah, yeah. Stock intros and outros to videos. Stock lower thirds. Stock music. Stock music. You know, like we do a lot of stuff for clients where we take our illustrations and then animate them into little how-to videos, right? So we oh, make cool. illustrations for instruction manuals and then we animate them into a, you know, 30-second to three-minute explanatory video, right? So it's a great repurposing of something that's already been done. Yeah. But the time and care we go to to try and find that perfect stock soundtrack and then use it consistently makes a big difference. Man, yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, that's really cool, man. I didn't know. Do you do a lot of that stuff, the, the video animation? We have done quite a bit of it. We're not doing a lot right at this moment, Mm -hmm. but it depends on what we're doing for particular projects and clients at the time. So, you know, when when we're doing a big rollout for one or two brands for one particular client, and they need illustrated instruction manuals for all their products, we offer it to them because it is a very, very easy way to repurpose something that that we've already put a lot of time and effort into so that they've got more content for their marketing and their customer experience and so on and so forth. Yeah, nice. That's cool, man, yeah. So what's your hot tip about using stock, not using stock, and how to use it? Well, I would just say, you know, it depends on the size of your business. If you're a startup and you're not a design business at all, then I would just say go to a stock library and, you know, start with, you know, I don't know, an image, but maybe take it into a tool like Canva or one of these other design tools where you can customize them yourself. But definitely try and be a little bit unique and don't use anything just straight out of the box, in my opinion, from the stock library. Yeah, absolutely. Look, stock has its place. If you're a startup and you're doing a minimum viable product, use stock, get it up and running, you know, but if you're going to, if you want to grow your business, you want to be serious about your branding and, you know, you want to stand out from your competitors, at some point you need to take the step to say stock out of the box is not acceptable. And tools like Canva are, are awesome. You know, there are so many photo editing tools where you can just apply really simple standard effects where it might be a vignette or it might be a, a, a color overlay that you know it just tweaks it cropping cropping is one of my favorite ways to take a stock image and change the look of it altogether. Mm. yeah good point yeah absolutely so what we're saying really is just try and be a little bit unique i mean yeah you can use stock as is but just be aware that you know every other man and their dog especially in your niche is probably using the same image that they find appealing yeah and don't forget to stock stock libraries are becoming little monopolies now you know a lot of them are owned by each other um you know like adobe stock now owns fatolia and iStock has <coughs> subsidiaries and then you know within certain stock libraries you have access to other stock libraries the reason i say that is that there's a lot of the same across all these stock libraries so you know be be cautious as to where you go and the cost of the stock library as well you know i have a client who has very expensive taste he finds beautiful unique images but they are on average for a high resolution image they are three thousand dollars to license right Uh, well between let's say between eight hundred dollars us and three thousand dollars us to license whereas you know something like fotolia you know you're probably talking in the five to twenty dollar range you know i stock you might be talking you know fifty to a hundred dollars for high resolution images 
Yeah. So, you know, if you pay more, I guess you're going to get more unique images. Those stock libraries are probably not allowing the duplication. They're requiring that the people that submit submit unique designs and they probably only leave them up for a certain amount of time and they probably only license them to a certain number of people. So Yeah, sure. And look, there's one of my favourite stock libraries, which is called Death to stock.com <laughs> i just love that because it's really you know it's doing the opposite of your average stock image and, and it's almost like um you know these guys are really creative artists slash photographers so everything that they produce just looks you know really beautiful and and non non-polished if you like yeah it has a real authenticity it's yeah. like you've hired a photographer to shoot it the only downside to death to stock is that they just they shoot shoots every month and it's that particular theme whereas you get a lot yeah. more breadth in other stock libraries but if you yeah. can find something within their selection for for the price they charge which i think is nominal mm. beautiful imagery absolutely beautiful imagery Exactly. And look, they are, you know, they're a small business, but at the same time, yeah, they do a photo shoot each month and just keep adding to the collection. But their collection is getting quite decent now. And uh, yeah, I would say, you know, there's something in there for everyone if, you, if you're trying to be unique. Definitely. I, yeah. I'd have to agree with that. Cool. Well, Greg, thank you very much. Well, I hope we haven't turned anybody off using stock. That was not our <laughs> intention. If anything, we're encouraging you. It's a great resource, but just take one extra step in the process and find a way to customize it for your business. You got it. Thanks for listening. If you like this, please go to our blog and leave a comment at uh, therealmagic.com. Thanks, listener. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.